Good evening and welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. I'm Douglas Simpuga. This evening we'll look at the impact of the Russian war in Ukraine on Africa. And with us tonight is my colleague, Vincent Macquarie, Managing Editor, English to Africa TV. Uh, Vincent, welcome to the show. Thank you, it's a pleasure. You're very much welcome. Joining us also is regular panelist, Suleiman Mugula. He joins us from Durban, South Africa, as usual. He's an independent political analyst. Uh, welcome to the show, Suleiman. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very much welcome. And as I said, uh, tonight we're looking at the impact of the Russian-Ukraine conflict on Africa. Uh, now, dozens of countries in Africa have closed ties to both Moscow and the West and have been hesitant to make their stand known. Uh, most that didn't condemn Russia are themselves authoritarian regimes. Some fear angering Moscow, while others depend on it for arms. Uh, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa is under fire also over the country's neutral stand on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But all this aside, uh, first of all, a recent there is an impact indeed because some of the countries don't seem to have to can't take a side for one reason or the other. Yeah, I mean definitely because uh, at the end of the day, as we, you know, I've always said that, uh, you know, while people see the continent of Africa as uh, one entity, you know, with the whole concept of the African Union, at the end of the day, really, African countries uh, exist as individual sovereign states. And therefore, over time, they have forged relationships independently with different powers. And this includes Russia. And in the last uh, several years, we've witnessed, actually, Russia developing relationships with African countries. But some of the relationships actually go back decades. You can talk about South Africa and uh, uh, during apartheid and the role Russia played in helping um, the South African who are fighting for, you know, their uh, freedom in South in, in the country and apartheid. You can go back a few decades and look at the connections Russia has had with, you know, uh, say countries like uh, DRC and, and and other countries across the continent. But over in the recent years, Russia has made made a comeback, and you can see it's been developing relationships in Mali. Uh, in Sudan, in the Horn, and, and all this is also, also to do with, uh, of course, the global, uh, you know, uh, you could say there's a contest here for superpowers or major powers to get a stake on the African continent. Uh, and so because of that, uh, different African countries have developed different forms of relationships with Russia, but at the same time developing the relationship with Western countries. So when this happened, when the conflict in Russia, uh, Ukraine uh, happened, of course, some of the African countries had a difficult time trying to figure out the best way to, you know, to, to, to make their stand. And for some, it was very clear they were still, uh, you know, desirous of maintaining a good relationship with Russia uh, in as much as they may not have condoned some of the actions in Ukraine. So, they thought the best way is to maintain a neutral stand and therefore, uh, you know, did not make a vote of, uh, you know, condemning Russia on the attack as uh, might have been desired by some of the Western nations. So it's all about interest. Each country has its own interest. African countries have their own interests. But again, 
I think this goes to tell a lot about the fact that Africa is a continent of several countries and each country has its own interests. And some of the voting, we saw the pattern uh, was very telling into in the in, in how the continent of Africa should be perceived is a continent of different sovereign nations. Uh, Suleiman, continent of different sovereign nations, so therefore no stand as a, no, no, united, no, no united stand like, a, for, say, for African Union. For sure, as Vicente has said, we have got uh, several independent sovereign nations and like other tragedies that have befallen the world, the African continent has found itself in the middle of an international crisis which it knows nothing at all. Really, Africa was caught between the hard rock because, because they have no option here. As Vincent has said, as individual countries, they have got long history, long history of relation with Russia. While this happens, and it, it is seeks to divide them, they could not have done it abruptly as the West wanted them to do. Because really, the, the, the whole saga, Africa had no stake at all. It did not even understand what was going on. It was taken by surprise. So it was very difficult to take a stand. Above all, as we have already said, we are, Russia had already made a return to the continent and had already built itself slowly but systematically in, into the continent through uh, uh, individual countries. For example, here for us in, 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 in South Africa, we already have very strong relation with Russia through the BRICS initiative. The BRICS initiative was an initiative which is, was supposed to, to have a look a look at the world economic order that is established by the, the West. So the BRICS was established to have another relook, to have another uh, another uh, another arena in which countries can deal with with each other, not through the, the the Western perspective, but through their own perspective. So it was not easy for, for example, for South Africa take a stand against uh, Russia because already it was sided because of BRICS. So other countries, Mozambique, Sudan, and others, they already have their relationship with these countries. So it was not very easy for them to take a stand. In any case, the, if you look at it more seriously, the conflict even was not supposed to, 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 to have erupted, save the either amateur leadership in, in, in Ukraine, otherwise that conflict was not supposed to be there. It is very clear that the, the, the West establishing uh, or coming at, at the doorstep of Russia, Russia was had automatically to react. And the way it reacted, good or bad, but it had to respond. So Africa, how could it have responded in such a situation where actually it has got no direct stake, I think those countries which took a neutral stand took a right decision. They needed to have a neutral stand in such 
an instance. Well, uh, taking a stand on, on one side, definitely the African continent, countries on the African continent can't avoid the impact. Now we are hearing of uh, um, the, the conflict affecting food supply in Africa and the Middle East, uh, prices of oils, oil going up and projected even to go higher. Uh, price of bisques such as oil and wheat are shooting up and shortages are showing up in supermarkets, shelves in countries like Egypt and Somalia. Uh, Vincent, despite Africa's stand, even if it's a neutral stand, they can't avoid the impact, can they? You know, the world is, uh, is, uh, is, is now a small village. But again, uh, given that um, Russia is such a, a great producer of grain, for example, it's a uh, a great one of the biggest producers of uh, petroleum uh, and, and the attendant products. Uh, Africa largely depends on uh, you know this kind of uh, supplies to 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 uh, offset the deficit that we have on the continent. Now with the mm. you know with the conflict there, uh, supply lines supply lines have been affected not only to Africa but across the globe. And, and, and because of, uh, you know, that kind of a situation, many African countries have found themselves having lack of some of these things coming in, all the price just shooting up. Uh, oil, of course, immediately we've seen the impact it has caused. We saw that impact even here in the U.S. where because of the conflict in Russia and Ukraine, the prices just shot up uh, because of the anticipation that uh, there will be shortages and uh, of course, the government of the U.S. has, uh, you know, taken some steps to try and mitigate that, so to bring the prices a little lower. So we, you have to say that the impact Africa is as uh, faced from the fallout of the Ukraine-Russia conflict is global, but uh, largely uh, Africa has been affected even more because it is already facing uh, certain. Uh, internal challenges. One is the mm. extended route in uh, parts of Africa, the Horn of Africa, to be specific, parts of Northern Africa. And, and, and because of that, now you compound the shortages uh, that have been uh, brought about by extended route uh, with uh, limited incoming products from out, you know, from Europe, uh, uh, you know, uh, because of uh, the challenges now that have been presented by the conflict in in Ukraine. Uh, and, 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 and of course now, of course, uh, uh, the continent going through its own economic, uh, you know, challenges that were caused by the um, COVID-19 pandemic, which undermined productivity, undermined uh, trade. Uh, Africa has found itself at a time, uh, you know, in a very, very difficult situation at the moment. And so we're seeing a spike in prices of even lack of commodities and, and also uh, you know, at the same time, having to deal with shortages of food, not uh, not only because of uh, lack of incoming produce uh, from the you know other countries like Russia, but also because of the drought that is being experienced at the moment. So, Suleiman, as usual, Africa, as they say, when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. Africa seems to be the grass in this case. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. As uh, as my brother said, Africa finds itself in a very difficult situation. The economies were already devastated by 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 COVID. Unfortunately, because of our 
uh, because of the lack of leadership on the continent, the leadership on the continent had, had mishandled the COVID uh, crisis. They delayed to have uh, homegrown solutions to the COVID situation. They overstayed into the shutdowns of the economy. Those shutdowns of the economy devastated the economies too much. At the time when they were trying to get solutions, getting loans from here and there, trying to reestablish themselves, there comes another crisis. Now, this crisis, as Vincent has said, it is not even an African crisis. It is a global crisis. All the economies are going to be hit. We are just starting. Where we are going, it is going to be bad. As Vincent has said, already America, the prices of fuel skyrocketed to the extent that President Biden had to authorize the release of millions of liters of fuel on the market to be able to mitigate the, 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 the prices. In Africa, it is becoming worse. If you go in countries like Kenya, they are now struggling even to get the, the fuel itself. Sooner or later, maybe they might be rationing. In Uganda, the prices have skyrocketed. skyrocketed. In Tanzania, they are talking of the reserves which they have, 20 days reserves of petrol, of fuel left. So when you look around, for us in South Africa, prices are skyrocketing. Recently, the prices have, have gone up, and they are continuing to go up any time. So as far as the fuel prices are, are concerned, they are skyrocketing. And as you know, when you touch fuel, you touch almost everything. The, the ripple effect is so huge. So which means the economies of most of the African countries, actually all the African countries, are going to be affected by the prices of fuel, first of all. It is going to affect them. So as we have said, if South Africa is affected, then the whole region, Southern Africa is affected. East Africa is already crying. Then North Africa, for it, is crying on, on double fuel prices and then also the grain production. So like it or not, we are going to be affected because of the prices. On a, on a, on a bigger scale, remember, when, when the, the economy start, start to get problems, we shall seek loans. The more loans we get, we shall become more indebted, more poverty. So the cycle is continuing, and Africa is, is going in for a very hard time. I see. Well, for those just joining us, you are listening to Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from The Voice of America in Washington. Tonight, we are looking at the impact of the Ukraine-Russia conflict on Africa. Our panelists are my colleague, Vincent Makori, managing English, TV English to Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst. I'm your host, Douglas Simpuga, here in Washington. Now, Vincent, the, uh, some analysts have pointed out that African countries have another issue. They, bought, they got most of their arms initially from Russia, and they, they see depend on Russia technology and having to equip their armies and all that. Maybe this also has an impact on uh, some of the men of African countries. Most certainly, you know, uh, the, the, some of the African countries uh, were looking. But again, you have to look at uh, how some of those 
governments maybe came into power. You know, some of there there are a number of countries, and I don't have to name them, where uh, you know the, the people were were trying to get into government, sought Russian support uh, as rebel groups, for example, and and it was easier to to acquire weapons. Uh, from from Russia, apparently, when you are fighting your governments, uh, and and so when they finally get got into power, uh, of course, they were depending on, uh, on on Russia to prop them to to help them. I mean, a, a recent example is, uh, for example, look at the, some of the changes that happened. Uh, if just to give an example of, of Mali, Mali strongly mm. turned into the new leadership turned into into Russia. So there was a lot of support mm. from there, and there are a number of countries. Uh, I can't go down the list. Uh, where some of the groups were supported by Russia getting into power and, and, and of course, continue to maintain those good relationships. And, and, and because of that, you know, the weapons have been traced to Russia in some of the African countries, uh, whether they were the, those in power already or in some of the groups that were originally uh, rebel groups that ended up being uh, in power. So it's not easy to just turn around and uh, and, and, you know, uh, drop Russia uh, at the drop of a hat uh, because of, uh, you know, a crisis that, uh, like that of Ukraine. Because as uh, Suleiman just uh, pointed out, uh, this came out so suddenly, you know, there is so much behind the scenes that was uh, involved in the conflict uh, that uh, led to this invasion of Russia uh, that was not, you know, had nothing to do with so many of these African countries. Uh, the African countries were in the last few months going on with their businesses as usual and therefore continuing with their relationships with Russia, with Ukraine, with other Afro, uh, Western nations. And, and so when this just happened, I think it would have been uh, unrealistic to expect uh, some of these countries to suddenly just get up and, uh, and turn and, and turn against any, you know, let's say Russia because of their historical relationships. And uh, an example I gave earlier is uh, South Africa, for example. The relationship goes back beyond even before BRICS. Of course, we know that BRICS uh, cemented uh, the relationship because of the groupings of nations where they wanted to look for solutions to some of the uh, African uh, issues along with the countries like Brazil and others outside of the uh, Bretton Woods uh, you know, institutions. So that cemented the relationship. But you have to go back to the fact that actually Russia helped the Omkonto Sizwe way back when uh, when ANC was fighting against apartheid. Now, it's, uh, it's hard for a country like South Africa to just, uh, you know, get up and say, you know, I condemn Russia or I'm turning against, I'm voting against Russia. So it's being caught in a very difficult situation because of historical and continuing relationships with some of these African countries. I see, Suleiman, now your comment on this uh, arms and uh, uh, aspect of the of the uh, Africa. Definitely, Russia is a major arms supplier to many African countries. The Karish, Karish, you call it what? Karish? AK-47. Russian, <laughs> eh? AK-47, the, in short. The AK-47 is, is the most popular rifle in many African countries. So, the, the the relations will continue. They cannot be dropped all of a sudden. But I think at, on a broader scale, what we need to look at is, uh, do we have the leadership on the continent to go through the crisis? Because this crisis, 
the way it is going, when you look at it globally, when you look at the way the Western countries are being affected, the way uh, uh, recently Australia was making um, drastic changes in its relation because of the controversy with China, turning to India, uh, German also making changes in its con economic partnership with other countries, especially because it was relying on Russia and still relies on Russia many on the on the fuel supply. So when you look at the changes which are likely to happen, and when you look at the recessions maybe which is likely to occur in the world, one wonders whether Africa has got a leadership which can overcome the coming crisis. One wonders whether even African leaders can see that they are heading to a crisis because when you look at them, when you look at what is happening on the on the continent, many countries are still involved in in conflict. Southern Sudan is boiling, DRC there are wars. Uh, Uganda is involved in a war in DRC. There are conflicts in the in, in the north, in North Africa, Mali. So you wonder if they don't seize conflicts and attend to the economic crisis, uh, is the continent not heading for disaster do we have the leadership realize what is going on and start getting solutions to the problem which are coming i think that is the worry which we should be looking at at the moment and which the leaders should be looking at because really the crisis is transforming the whole economic arena the whole economic global economic economic condition which have been existing i think africa needs to think hard I see. Africa needs to think hard, but uh, some analysts have pointed out Russia that Russia has usually voted with China to block decisions at the UN Security Council that touch on a number of, of African countries. Uh, this happened in Zimbabwe when the US and other Western nations wanted the UN to impose sanctions, and recently on Ethiopia over the Tigray war. So was Russia's alliance, or I mean, at least subtle support from China, has it played an impact on Africa? Because when you combine the two, they they did have a big leeway, uh, Vincent. Yes, I, I mean uh, the the it's all about uh, when I look at what really happens on the continent. It's uh, for those in power, it's a survival. And uh, when they look at uh, the kind of uh, you know issues they face and how the especially you talk about the voting of the UN, uh, every regime is looking to get uh, support in uh, surviving and also, uh, you know, kind of uh, maintaining a certain a certain stature in the global, you know, global event. So when when Russia, China comes to uh, to the, you know, the rescue of a country that is facing sanctions, for example, of course that to them is a a, a hand of friendship, hand of friendship. Now, where, how it uh, it kind of plays into the uh, you know long-term interest of the individual nation citizens is another issue because again there are situations where there's of course a disconnect between the uh, long-term interest of the nation, the people of a particular nation, and the short-term interest of those in power or the government in power at that particular time. So, of course, every individual country, every individual uh, government seeks to have uh, friends that, you know, at the, at the, in, in, at the table 
And and in this case, of course, Africa doesn't have a voting, uh, you know, veto powers or voting uh, rights at the Security Council. So it's always looking for somebody or some individual countries will look for anybody at that table who can vote in favor uh, of their interests. And so Russia has come to the rescue of some of these countries. And that's why you see at the end of the day, it's actually the individual nations and their particular interests. And the only thing I have to say that uh, from my experience, there's a difference between the interests of the people long term and the interest of a person in power. I mean, the interests of Omar al-Bashir <laughs> were not necessarily the interests of the Sudanese people. But of course, Omar al-Bashir definitely would be so grateful uh, if, 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 let's say, when, in, when as president, any other country came to his rescue when there was any vote mm-hmm. there at the United Nations Security Council. So that, that is a challenge there. They, they, you have to differentiate between the interests of people in power and the interests of the citizens of a country and the continent at large. Uh, Suleiman, on that point? Just as we said, President Ramaphosa of South Africa has put it very clearly, the way Vincent has said that from now, from now onwards, the situation is still evolving, but South Africans' position will be determined by the interests of South Africa primarily. So as far as South Africa is concerned, we are not going to look at any other country's interests, but the interests of the country as a whole as the paramount interest. And I think all over the continent, as we have said, the bottom line will be the interests of each individual country. That is what will determine how the countries will react to what is coming. Otherwise, it is still a revolving situation, and it has got so many twists and turns. As we watch, the interests of the nations will determine the direction which Africa takes. So briefly, in a very, very, in a very few words, Suleiman, Africa may, has now got to navigate how to balance their, their interest in, uh, in Russia and China and, and in the West. Very briefly. Definitely. But it seems whoever responds to the, to the crisis that um, Africa will face in, the, in these coming days will be the one to take the heart of Africa. I think Africa has to relook at the 70s, at the time in the 70s when they had the non-alignment, the non-alignment block. Okay. Because Um, mm. they have to be non-aligned in these instances in order to survive. Do you agree, Vincent? Yes, I I think uh, it is a a dicey situation, but uh, yes, Africa is trying to balance all these things to try, and at the end of the day, survive, especially as individual nations, and meet their own, uh, you know, reach their own objectives, economically, politically, and, uh, you know, global uh, strategic interests. So, in short, we are going back to the days of the Cold War when... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no doubt well, about it. It's tough. Uh, Africa is almost, uh, some, to some degree, sometimes behaves like, uh, you know, there's a, it's a little bit of uh, an abstract concept here, but it's something called polyandry, where a woman has uh, several husbands uh, in some countries in Asia. And so it's kind of uh, been, it's been courted by <laughs> so many of these powers that Africa is trying to balance this act of dealing with all these suitors. So it is a challenging position to be in. Yeah, indeed, it's challenging. The fact, that, oh, the fact that the NATO and WASO dividers are risen again, 
then Africa is in a is in, is in a situation. I see. To take mm. Well, we are out of time, unfortunately, but we are keep following the events in Ukraine, Russia. And that wraps up this edition of Reporters Roundtable. Thanks to my colleague, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst based in Durban, South Africa. Gentlemen, thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you very much. Welcome. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Reporters Roundtable. A reminder that you can hear our roundtable on the internet. All you have to do is go to our main website, click on programs, and scroll down to Reporters Roundtable. You also can drop us a line. Our email is reporters at vonews.com. Once again, thanks very much for tuning in. And until next week, I'm your host, Douglas Impoga. Straight Talk Africa. As South African-born Elon Musk finalizes his ownership of Twitter, what are the implications for Africans? Will his free speech advocacy be tested on the continent? We'll also look at how social media has become a powerful battleground in African electoral politics. Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa, this Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. A leaked draft Supreme Court opinion indicates that a constitutional right to abortion in America may be ending. We talk with public health scientist Dr. Ushma Upadhyay, who specializes in abortion safety, access, and restrictions about the health, economic, and political implications of the possible end of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision which enshrined abortion rights in federal law. That's Press Conference USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice.